On today's episode, Seth Jones, Sam Lafferty, and Team USA dropped both games over the weekend and failed to medal at the 2022 IIHF World Championship. Also go over Blackhawks forward Dominic Kubalik's 2021-2022 season recap. And then to wrap things up, per usual, to start off the week will be our Mailbag Monday fan segment, where I answer a question from a couple of lucky listeners right here on Locked On Blackhawks. Your Locked On Blackhawks, your daily podcast on the Chicago Blackhawks. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome in to the Lockdown Blackhawks podcast, your daily podcast on the Chicago Blackhawks. Today is Monday, May 30th. I'm your host, Jack Bushman. You can find me out on Twitter at JackBushman2, or you could also go and check out my Strictly Blackhawks account at Talk and Hockey for all the latest Blackhawks news and updates. And if you're listening to the audio version of today's episode and you like what you're hearing, then please go and show some support first by following the podcast which will only take a quick couple of seconds. Literally just a quick click of the button will help me out tremendously. Be sure to go and leave the show five stars if you like what you're hearing today as well. And if you're tuning in through Apple Podcasts or through Spotify, then feel free to leave me a review. I always greatly appreciate getting some feedback from my tremendous listeners out there. And best of all, it's 100% for free wherever you may be listening to your podcast, whether that be through Apple Podcasts, Odyssey, Spotify, Google Podcasts, etc. It's all 100% for free. And if you go and follow the show right now, then you'll be able to get the latest episode as soon as it comes out each day. And if you're not already watching the video version of today's episode, then be sure to go and check out Lockdown Blackhawks on YouTube because each and every episode moving forward, folks, throughout the rest of the summer into training camp this fall is going to have a video attached to it as well. So if you haven't done so yet, please, please, please go check out Lockdown Blackhawks on YouTube. Hit that subscribe button for me. Smash the like button down below and also go comment as to what grade you think Blackhawks forward Dominic Kubalik deserves for his performance this year. And last, be sure to go and ring the bell. Turn on those push notifications so that you can be notified when the episode gets uploaded to YouTube each and every day. All right. Good morning, everyone. Thank you all for tuning into another episode of Lockdown Blackhawks, your one-stop shop for all things Chicago Blackhawks and for making the show your first listen here to start off your day. Real quick, before we get into some of the good stuff today, folks, I got to remind you all that today's episode is brought to you by Bet Online, which is both the fastest and the easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports and Vegas casino games here in 2022. Bet Online, where the game begins. All right. Good afternoon, everyone. Happy Memorial Day. Thank you all for tuning into another episode of Lockdown Blackhawks. I greatly appreciate it. One thing I got to say real quick before we get into some of the good stuff, just got to give a quick shout out to all the veterans out there, including none other than my father. My dad was a veteran of the Navy. So just wanted to say thank you to everyone out there for all their service, all their hard work and sacrifice. That goes into making sure we all stay safe back here in the United States of America. So hope everyone's having a a really awesome day, spending it with family and friends. It's a lovely day outside. I mean, the weather is gorgeous. It's a perfect day to have a day. So I hope everyone's enjoying their Memorial Day here so far. But getting into some Blackhawks news from over the weekend, I wanted to start off with Team USA. 
Coming up short over the weekend at the 2022 IIHF World Championship, Seth Jones, Sam Lafferty, and Team USA, they were in the semifinals on Saturday morning, taking on the host country, Team Finland, who also finishes the top team in Group B during the preliminaries. It was a good game, good back-and-forth matchup. Unfortunately, Finland wound up getting the best of the United States, defeating them 4-3. to three. It was tied up 2-2 two to two midway through the game, but the Finns came with a strong finish. Joel Armia of the Winnipeg Jets winds up with the game-winning goal midway through the third period. Adam Gaudet, former Blackhawk, uh, did add a goal late to make things interesting, uh, but ultimately... Finland shut the door. They were able to hang on and defeat the United States 4-3. to Baudette, by the way, uh, actually wound up being the leading scorer for Team USA in this tournament, interestingly enough. Uh, but yeah, Team USA missed out on the gold medal game. They fall to Finland on Saturday, and that actually put them on Sunday in the bronze medal game against the Czech Republic, which also did not go well for the United States either. Team USA fell 8-4 to four to the Czech Republic yesterday afternoon as uh, David Pasternak and Tomas Hurdle had an absolute field day. Pasternak, Pasta gets the hat trick. David Kampf, former Blackhawk as well, went on to add two goals, which is always, is that an insult to injury? Uh, so not only did the United States miss out on uh, a chance to play for the gold medal yesterday, but they also ended up not coming away with a medal at all in this tournament, which I know their roster wasn't the deepest, but still compared to some of the other countries, uh, that's certainly a bit of a disappointment for the United States to not even come away with the bronze. Finland, by the way, did go on to capture the gold medal in their host country. They defeated Canada 4-3 to yesterday in overtime. Uh, so I got to give a quick congratulations to Team Finland for yet another gold at these world championships, which they've been performing really well here as a country over the past couple of years. Um, I believe that's two gold medals now in the last three or four years for Finland at these world championships. But as for Seth Jones and Sam Lafferty and how they fared throughout the tournament, uh, Seth wound up recording five points in his 10 games played, which again, something I talked about on Friday, a little underwhelming that he wasn't able to do more offensively, but he did average over 27 minutes per game for the United States. So he was obviously leaned on heavily throughout, ooh, excuse me, hiccup, throughout those uh, crucial games over the weekend, trying to get into the gold medal game on Saturday. He logged over 31 minutes in that one. Uh, and, you know, with a lot of injuries on defense for the United States, Seth was already going to play 26, 27 minutes a game. But once they were shorthanded a little bit more on the back end, then, yeah, he was going to get up into those 30s. Uh, but even though I didn't think he had the most impressive offensive output in the tournament, uh, he actually wound up getting placed on the World Championship All-Tournament team. So congrats to Seth for uh, a strong showing at these World Championships as Captain America and being leaned on heavily both on and off the ice uh, for the United States, again, as Captain America. As for Sam Lafferty, he actually kind of had a shocking role over the weekend in the past, uh, in the last few games for Team USA, because with those injuries that I just talked about on the back end for the United States, that's what led to Jones playing so many minutes. Sam Lafferty, folks, was also playing defense for the United States in their past two games, which 
uh, definitely gave me a good chuckle when I saw that. I was like, what? Sam Lafferty's playing defense? This guy can do it all, baby. Um, but only three points for Lafferty in his 10 games played in this tournament. But I was really impressed to see him, uh, you know, kind of step up when the United States was down some defensemen. I think that kind of shows you what kind of teammate and what kind of guy he is. So, um, you know, not the most impressive showing like Jones offensively, only three points for Lafferty and two points in the final nine games. Um, but I was really impressed with his um, composure and the way he handled himself, obviously being in a new position. And I was also impressed with, you know, just his willingness to step up and help the team. He seems like he'd be that type of guy where, you know, if they needed a, th- a third string goalie, if two of your goalies went down and the e-bugs not looking great, I mean, you could throw Sam Lafferty in there. That's the type of competitive and the kind of um, intensity and chip on the shoulder that he plays with. So uh, I'm sure it wasn't a comfortable spot for Sam to be in, but he, he stood his ground well. And I feel like knowing Sam a little bit, I mean, he was here for half a season with the Blackhawks. I feel like he'd be someone to volunteer and step up to play one of those defenseman spots with a couple of injuries on the back end for Team USA. So impressed with Sam Lafferty being a team guy once again and just doing whatever it takes to win regardless of whether it comes at the forward spot or over the weekend as we saw at defenseman. All right, there's a quick recap of the 2022 IIHF World Championship. Coming up in just a moment, I will get into Blackhawks forward Dominic Kubalik's 2021-2022 season recap. But first, I need to talk to you all about Bet Online. It's that time of the year again, folks, as baseball season is finally upon us. It's about to take center stage for the summer, and Bet Online has way more odds and info from game scores, totals, player performance props to where the next fired manager is going to land or who the first fired manager is going to be this year. Regardless of what you want to bet on, Bet Online remains the number one spot for all sports betting here in 2022. It's not just baseball. From the NBA and NHL playoffs, esports, boxing and UFC, right to your favorite Vegas casino games, do not wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2022 season. Bet Online is both the fastest and the easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports and Vegas casino games. Bet Online, where the game begins. All right, we're back here on the Lockdown Blackhawks podcast. Moving on into segment two this afternoon, it's time to get into Blackhawks forward Dominic Kubalik's 2021-2022 season recap. And for those of you who haven't tuned into Friday's episode yesterday, uh, or Friday's episode yet, I should say, excuse me, uh, the last season recap that I did was none other than Blackhawks forward Dylan Strome. And I've also already... Uh, handed out grades to Patrick Kane, Alex DeBrinkett, and Seth Jones. So if you haven't checked out those ep- episodes out yet, please be sure to go and do so once the show finishes up here in uh, just a few moments to find out what grade Patrick Kane, Alex DeBrinkett, and Seth Jones received for their performance this season. And also, while you got a quick second, go comment down below as to what grade you think Blackhawks forward Dominic Kubelik deserves for his efforts this year. All right, getting into Kubalik season, ha, it was uh, certainly not the year that all of us Blackhawks fans were hoping for out of Kubi. Obviously, he was a Calder Trophy finalist in 2019-20, his rookie year, uh, where he found a ton of success on the top line with Jonathan Taves. Those two showed a tremendous amount of chemistry together. 
Uh, and then last season, Kubelik was a little bit quieter. Uh, he still did score 17 goals in 56 games, which, you know, he's on pace to score right around 30 if they played a full 82 game schedule. Uh, but this year, no way around it, no beating around the bush. Kubelik was horrible. Even though, I will say, even though he did still get his scoring chances and opportunities, he just wasn't able to bury them. 78 games this season, Kubelik recorded a career-low 15 goals while adding just 17 assists for also a career-low 32 points, which not even close to half a point per game. And Kubelik was over that mark in each of his first two NHL campaigns. And I think with Kubelik, more so than he's never going to be a great playmaker. That's just not his game. So the assists, they are what they are. He's going to have right around 15 to 20 per season. That's not his bread and butter. It's shooting the puck. But I think the biggest concern to me about Kubelik, not only this year, but over the last two years, is his inability and the lack of progression at five on five. Because going back to his rookie year, when he was a Calder Trophy finalist, 26 of Kubelik's 30 goals that year came at even strength. And then last season, that was all the way down to, uh, what was it? What do I got here? 13 in 56 games. Sorry, folks, lost my statistics there. He went down to 13 after having 26 the year prior. Gets cut in half in a little bit less games. So that might have something to do with the number being a little lower. But this time around in 78 games, Dominic Kubelik only scored 12 five-on-five goals. That, to me, is the most concerning part of his progression. How invisible Kubelik has been at even strength the past couple of years. That's an issue. He needs to score more at five on five. And with the way the last two seasons have gone, it almost kind of makes you think that perhaps his 30-goal campaign as a rookie might have been a little bit fluky. And I'll tell you why as we move through some of his other statistics. Uh, But Kubelik also only had three power play goals this season, which is a career low as well. But to be fair, I think that's mostly due to him not giving, getting much of a chance on the man advantage. I mean, what that second unit, by the way, was terrible all season long. I don't even know how many goals they chipped in for, but it it couldn't have been very many. Uh, But they were only out there on the ice for what, 30 to 40 seconds, if that. So I'm not really looking too hard at the power play goals here. Kubelik was not really given much of an opportunity on the man advantage. I've still been screaming from the heavens. You got to give him chances with that one timer on the top power play unit. Hasn't happened yet. And to be fair, uh, with his lackluster goal scoring this past season, I don't know if he's going to get too many of those opportunities next year, assuming that the Blackhawks bring him back. Uh, But getting into what I wanted to say, another weird kind of statistic for Dominic Kubelik was. He still recorded 161 shots on goal this season. And in comparison, you go back to his rookie year in 68 games in 2019-20, he tallied 157 shots on goal. So 157 in 68 games, 161 in 78 this year, still down a little bit. Um, But it's not like it was a huge difference or anything. If they played the same amount of games, it might have been a 15 to 20 shot difference, which is still a decent margin, but it, it wasn't huge. What I'm trying to get at, is Kubelik was still getting his chances. He was still getting prime scoring opportunities. He was just fanning on all of them. He couldn't find the back of the net. Absolutely could not buy a goal. And that takes me to the stat I was just referencing a moment ago, which is Kubelik's shooting percentage. Because this year, 
he shot a career low 9.3%. And again, going back to 2019-20, when he was a Calder Trophy finalist, he shot 19.1%, nearly scored on 20% of his shots. One out of every five from Kubi was fine in the back of the net. And then you look at the shooting percentages over the past two seasons. Last year, it was at 10.3%. This or 10.9%, excuse me. And this year we saw it at 9.3%. So that's probably more realistic what to expect out of him in the future. You know, that's still a little bit low, um, but I don't know if it just doesn't seem sustainable at all for him to be shooting 20% over the course of his career. You know, maybe you can get that up to 14 or 15, but 20 is something that probably isn't going to happen again. And if it does, it's probably only going to be in one or two more seasons, if that. So that's kind of why I think the 30 goal score of the season where Kubelik scored 30 goals could be a little bit fluky because I don't know if he's ever going to find the back of the net at that success level ever again, Uh, especially with how we've seen the numbers drop each of the past two seasons. Kubelik also saw 14 minutes and 31 seconds of average time on ice, which is actually down an entire minute from the season prior. That 14 to 15, 14 and a half to 15 and a half minute range is mostly where Kubelik has lied so far in his three NHL seasons. But uh, to see it go down a whole minute when he should be, you know, should be getting boosted up as he's gaining more and more experience, to see it go down, that definitely sucks. But at the same time, we all know why. Jeremy Colleton or Derek King, I guess I should say, who was coaching for the majority of the season. We know why Derek King wasn't giving him consistent opportunities or upping his ice time. That's because Kubelik was a ghost for most of the season. Last, getting into Kubelik's analytics for this year, they were actually pretty solid despite his output being putrid. Uh, Kubelik had a dead even 50%, Corsi 4%, literally right down the middle. So again, even though he wasn't the one, scoring a lot of goals, he was still getting those opportunities, getting those shots on goal, getting those shot attempts. He was out there in offensive situations and his line mates and his teammates who were out there on the ice with him handled it well when he was out there. So that kind of caught me a little bit by surprise. I thought Kubelik's uh, Corsi would be a little bit lower than what it is, but uh, I think that goes to show you that he was still getting his chances this year. The shooting percentage was just down and that's what led to a lot of career lows. Also, one interesting tidbit for Kubelik, too, is he was only on the ice for uh, 48 goals for, which is not great for 78 games when he's supposed to be a top liner or guaranteed a top six guy. Uh, But he also was only on the ice for 50 goals against. And that that also uh, surprised me. Overall, I just kind of expected Kubelik's analytics to be worse because, like I said, it felt like. Yeah, I, I knew he was getting his chances, but I don't think any Blackhawks fans really paid all that much attention to them because he was either whiffing or was shooting them right in the breadbasket. He just wasn't scoring at the same clip as he has so far in his career. Um, but yeah, I, I just expected those analytics to be a little bit worse than they were. Um, but all in all, uh, the, by the way, the expected goals for numbers were the worst of Kubelik's career. But aside from that, pretty solid numbers in terms of the analytics. So. All in all, taking everything into consideration, folks, there's no way around it. Dominic Kubelik, he's got one job in particular, and that's to be a sniper. That's to shoot with efficiency, score goals, and he didn't do that this year. He failed at his job. So the analytics were good, sure. I forgot to mention that he was a little bit more physical than he had been in the past, 
Um, the shooting percentage was down, even though we've seen seasons like that in the past from Blackhawks. I'm not trying to compare Kubalik to Alex Debrinkit, but the one year that Debrinkit had a down year, his shooting percentage was way lower than what it's been. So uh, that's kind of why I feel like, considering the position the Blackhawks are in, I feel like it's worth giving Kubalik one more chance next season to see if he can bounce back. But if he doesn't, if he has another season like last year, uh, then I have a feeling Kubelik's not going to be in Chicago for very much longer. But taking everything into consideration, folks, I know I'm just rambling here now. All in all, I'm going to give Blackhawks forward Dominic Kubelik a D for his performance this season. All right, folks, I think that will take care of Dominic Kubelik's 2021-2022 season recap segment. Coming up in just a minute, it's time to get into our weekly Mailbag Monday fan segment, where I answer a question from a couple of lucky listeners right here on Locked On Blackhawks. Welcome back to the Locked On Blackhawks podcast. I'm your host, Jack Bushman. Getting into segment three now today, before I wrap things up and let you all go and enjoy the rest of your Memorial Days, I still have to get into our weekly Mailbag Monday fan segment, where I answer a question from a couple of lucky listeners right here on Locked On Blackhawks. The first question I wanted to answer today comes from longtime listener Joe Cromwell or Captain Crommy on Twitter. Joe seems to be asking questions uh, every week at this point, which I do greatly appreciate, Joe. Thank you for all the support. Thank you for reaching out. I appreciate your questions. Uh, but Joe asked over the weekend, free agent or trade options at 10D? Honestly, I don't expect the Blackhawks to be too involved in the trade market for a goaltender. Uh, I just, at this point of their rebuild, unless it's an absolute steal, which, you know, for a quality goaltender, it's not going to be more than likely. Um, but for a good goaltender, you know, that's going to cost a high round pick. And the Blackhawks aren't exactly in a position to part ways with those right now. Also, considering the team isn't built to be competitive right now. So if you want to go and, you know, get rid of assets to have a good goaltender when the team's not going to be good for three years, that to me just doesn't make a whole lot of sense. And, you know, I've seen trade rumors out there. Um, not, not really rumors, just like people throwing trades out and someone like Alexander Georgiev from the Rangers, who's a restricted free agent this summer is a trade option that I've seen people talk about. Same with, uh, Ilya Samsonov for the Washington Capitals. Both are going to be RFAs. I mean, hey, if Washington or New York wants to trade them for a third round pick, that's probably the only way I see it happening because I don't think the Blackhawks are going to want to get rid of a first or a second round pick. And again, the timeline of acquiring their future netminder, like it just isn't lining up. So I don't really see them being all that active in terms of the trade market at the goaltender position. But free agency, it's going to be really interesting. And this is something I've touched on a couple of times. For Kevin Lankinen, it's going to be a really interesting back and forth dialogue with the Blackhawks as to his future because. One thing that comes to mind is considering Kevin Lankin had a, a pretty piss poor season, I don't think there's another NHL team out there unless they're desperate who's going to be willing to give him a starting job. While the Blackhawks, the only goaltender they have in their system right now is Arvid Soderblom, and he's not ready to be the opening day starter next season. I do think he could be the backup, but he's not ready to take on the number one goaltending role at the NHL just yet. He's still very young and still pretty inexperienced. Um, so. That's really going to be the interesting conversation. Like, 
Will Lankinen come back? He's an unrestricted free agent, so he has a say in the matter. But I feel like Chicago would be the best option for him to prove himself and then continue on and maybe get a starter's job elsewhere if he chooses to take that path. Like, I think it works out well right now for the Blackhawks and Lankinen both to sign a one-year deal. The Blackhawks want to see more out of him before they give him a long extension and consider him their starter of the future. And then for Lankinen, after having such a down year, it seems like a one-year deal would be a good chance for him to gamble on himself, get the lion's share of starts in net, and then you know have that belief in himself that he's going to make the most out of that opportunity and then go and hit the free agent market again next year and either get a raise from the Blackhawks or a raise from another NHL team to be their starter. That's kind of the situation I think that's or that Kevin Lankinen is going through right now. Like, if he leaves the Blackhawks, he's probably not going to get as good of an opportunity as he would here in Chicago. So ultimately, I do kind of expect the Blackhawks and Lankinen to get a deal done. Like I said, I would, I would think it would be a one-year deal, prove it on both sides. Um, but if not, then the free agent options start to become a little bit more likely. Um, but they're not going to be going through any of the big names. Like, I just pulled up the list of free agent goaltenders this year. Why isn't my face ID recognizing me? I don't know. Um, but Mark Andre Fleury, that's not happening. Miko Koskinen, I'll pass. Uh, Darcy Kemper is going to get a good deal. Tomas Grice is someone who could be on the Blackhawks' radar if Lankinen doesn't come back. Same with maybe Yaroslav Halak, Braden Holpe, maybe Martin Jones. Uh, those are kind of the guys I expect the Blackhawks to be in the market for if Lankinen isn't coming back. But all in all. To answer the question, Joe, uh, I definitely think the free agent market is more likely than the Blackhawks giving up future assets to acquire a goaltender this offseason. It just doesn't make sense in terms of the timeline. Second question I wanted to answer comes from at Brody W973 A lot of numbers there. Could be a burner. Um, but uh, they asked on Twitter, or Patrick Payne is their Twitter name right now, which I think is kind of funny. Uh, but they asked over the weekend. I heard rumors of New Jersey being after Debrinket for their second overall pick. I think that's silly. What's your take? What would they need to give for Debrinket in your opinion? It would need to be, in order for the Blackhawks to get rid of Alex Debrinket, it would have to be another Brandon Hagel type situation. Because look, Alex Debrinket is a stud. And he's one of the best snipers in the league already at such a young age. And I get the Blackhawks don't have a very deep prospect pool. They could add picks there. They could get prospects in return as in prospects in return as well. Um, but I just don't see Kyle Davidson wanting to move Cat, especially considering what we heard from Patrick Kane in his end of the season presser, where he said, "Yay, me and Cat obviously have chemistry together. If he's here, it's a little bit easier for me to see myself here." If I was Kyle Davidson, I'd be saying, "Yeah, we're not moving Alex DeBrinket unless I am wowed." And the second overall pick for Alex DeBrinket, that's just not going to cut it. Especially in, I mean, a top, the second overall pick, you're going to, you're probably going to get a good player, but it's still a little bit of a weaker draft than next year or the year after that, from what I've heard. Uh, so I think it would have to be a lot more than just the second overall pick. I'm going to pull up the Devil's Cap friendly right now so we can have some fun with it. I think I actually looked at them the other day because I was like, I saw this post out there that the Devils are interested in trading their second overall pick. Alex Dabrinkit could be in the mix for them. Um, yeah, they, they just got one first each of the next three years. I think I'm still not for trading Dabrinkit. 
I'm not there, but making a hypothetical because that's what I'm doing to answer the question. I think it would have to take the second overall pick this year. I think it would it would have to get a first next year as well because listen, if you can get the second overall pick this year plus a first round pick next year in a really deep NHL draft, odds are, I mean crazy things can happen in this game, but odds are New Jersey's not going to be very good. The Blackhawks probably won't be very good like if you could get three first-round picks, don't forget we're getting one from Tampa Bay next year. If we could get three first-round picks in next year's NHL draft, like that might be something to consider. But I think it would it would have to be the second overall pick this year, a first next year, and maybe like a fourth or something like that. Like, and even then, that might be a little bit low. Maybe the Blackhawks want a, a medium-tier to upper-tier prospect in return, but with the position they're in. I know DeBrinket needs a new contract, but money isn't really going to be a worry for this team, I don't believe. When DeBrinket needs his new deal next summer, Taze will be coming off the book. Kaner, hopefully he'll be able to take a little bit of a discount, maybe $8.8 He's kind of a superstitious guy. Um, but yeah, I think that's where you'd have to start for Alex DeBrinket. If you're the New Jersey Devils, you have to offer up a first next year and a f- second overall pick this year. That's the type of deal. If I were Kyle Davidson, I'd be interested in. That's something that I'd have to actually think about because three first-round picks and a good draft next year, that could be an opportunity for the Blackhawks to expedite this process. Um, But like I said, I'm not really on board with trading to Brinkett. I'd have to be absolutely thrilled with the return from another team, and uh, I don't know if anyone's going to be that eager uh, to go and get him. I know he's a superstar, but... It would just have to work on both sides too well. I personally don't see it happening. I hope it doesn't happen because the cat's already a stud, um, but it would have to take the bag, basically, is what I'm trying to say. If you want Alex to bring it, you better be throwing Blackhawks general manager Kyle Davidson the bag in return. All right, folks, I think that is going to wrap up Monday, May 30th episode of Locked On Blackhawks. Thank you all again for tuning into the show, and be sure to go and follow Locked On Blackhawks wherever you get your podcasts, and be sure to subscribe to Lockdown Blackhawks on YouTube, and you'll be able to get the latest episode as soon as it comes out each day. And after the show, be sure to go and check out the Lockdown NHL podcast for all the latest news, odds, and info from each team that's still alive in the Stanley Cup playoffs. It's free and available on all platforms, so be sure to go and check out Lockdown NHL right now, wherever you get your podcasts. Once again, thank you for tuning into today's episode. I'm your host, Jack Bushman. You can find me out on Twitter at JackBushman2, or you could also go and check out my Strictly Blackhawks account at Talk and Hockey for all the latest Blackhawks news and updates. And for any questions regarding anything related to the show or to the Blackhawks, feel free to email LockdownBlackhawks at gmail.com. You can also hit me up on any one of my Twitter accounts, or you could call 708-653-0572 to leave a voicemail. So until tomorrow's episode, thanks again for tuning into the Lockdown Blackhawks podcast, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day.